0: Good morning, Merlin. Um, I'm Alan Pangborn. I'm the CEO of Chesapeake Gold. And we have a very, very large gold silver project in Durango, Mexico. Uh, by large, I mean over 20 million ounces of gold and 560 million ounces of silver in resources. Um, we recently completed some drilling. And prior to that, we put out a PEA in August last year that showed quite an interesting project. That only requires about 360 million dollars and gives us an MPV of about 1.4 Canadians. So that would be a small starter project, 15,000 tons a day, producing 115,000 ounces a year of gold and about another two plus million ounces a year of silver. Um, that's part of our strategy of, of how we're going to develop our. Uh,
1: Matatis and more than happy to discuss that with you here today. Alan, thank you very much for the introduction. Uh, good to good to see you. Good to meet you. We, we're both uh, struggling with different situations at either end of this 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 call. I've got a uh, a large number of bees in my office, and you've just come off the back of COVID, which I don't think was the 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 the, the mild cold that everyone says it would be. No.
0: <laughs> well, I you know I guess it's better than than some of the early cases of COVID. It was it was a pretty rough. Um, cold flu like episode so but yep slowly getting better i was fully vaccinated so i hope that was part of the reason it wasn't
1: worse but uh yeah this is the first time i've got out of bed in the last four days so my goodness well we'll um we'll if if you can't don't know the answer to any of the questions we'll we'll put it down to covid fog and we can always (laughs) uh, the 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 brain fog my goodness i my my head was all over the show when i had got covid six months ago but um um good to see you up and up and running again. Thank you. So yeah. um Metati is down in um Mexico. You've just finished your infill drill, drilling program. Um hmm. you're aiming you're aiming for a new resource estimate at the end of this year. Is that, is that right? You have you've done what what about kind of 105 new holes and you've been putting out some pretty nice no. numbers. Is, is that wrong? No, no, no. We so I guess it was.
0: Go, let's, let's go back a bit. I joined the company about 18 months ago. Yeah. Um, we, we did a deal with a private company that I used to own and backed into Chesapeake, took over management. And we did that under the concept of a totally different approach on how we were going to develop it. Yeah. Um, the original, the previous project was this massive three and a half billion order clay all singing, dancing unbelievable but you know but is it buildable yeah it's buildable not by Jess speak, but it's buildable um yeah. you know so, so we came in with a concept of two things i guess we believed that there was a higher grade core in it and secondly that we have a process that allows us to heat bleach sulfides and then be able to leach the gold and silver after you've oxidized the sulfides. And I'd love to explain to you how that, that all comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the first things we did because the crux of the whole, the whole uh, project is how well does this metallurgical process work on the metatis ore? So the first thing we had to do was drill some holes to get some large diameter core that I knew where it came from, I knew how old it was, right? And, and, and I knew what it represented and what we intercepted. So we did that, that, right? Drilled five holes, got the assay results back and went, oh, wow, 20% higher grade. Not really sure why. Um, a geologist that helps me with all of this stuff, Carl Edmonds, who I used to work with at the SSR, looked through all of the obvious things that it could have been change of support and this and that and the other. And, we couldn't find anything that really explained it. Sample so size? We no, no, because the, the previous drilling, they were using half-core for assay. And that, that's, that's what I meant by change of support. When we, when we checked that, we went, well, it's about the same mass per metre when you right. use quarter-core on PQ versus, right. no, I always get my numbers wrong. You're the geologist, you'd know. And half-core on the next one down. Whichever one, whichever is the right letter in front of the Q.
1: HQ, I've got a really easy way to remember them all if if you're interested. So um, BQ is the smallest, baby core. Mm -hmm. NQ is the one that we normally start with, that's normal core. HQ is heavy core, and I call PQ, papa core. (laughs) So it goes, papa, heavy, normal,
0: baby. Right. So we did PQ. The previous drilling was HQ. Half core HQ is about the same weight meter apparently as yeah. quarter core on pq okay so it wasn't that um yeah the one we did make sure that all of our drilling was done as close to normal as possible as far as intercepting your body so it mm. wasn't just straight up and down and so we looked at all of those things couldn't work out why so we figured it was probably real so went back to the board and said um you know all that money we got in the bank can you please approve me to go drill another 16 holes? So that's what the additional 16 holes were okay. that we released a week or two back now. And that was that was really a, a you know your five-spot program. There's the four, put one in the middle, put one in the middle, put one in. And we stepped out a bit in a couple of places into areas <clears throat> where they they hadn't drilled to some geographical edges or some geological edges. And so we, we put a spot in between to see how quickly it thinned or didn't, right? So, yeah. and, and it was also, again, PQ, and it was also, again, to give me material for later on in the test program. So it's all been focused around this test program. And it was really just serendipitous. And we went, 20%. I'll be, I'll take
1: it. I'm not sh- I'm not shy. Yeah. I think it might be useful. Could you, have you got a um, cross section there? Because the, the ore is in two kind of main lithologies, isn't it? It's in kind of, in, it's in a yeah. sedimentary package and in a intrusive package. Um, and from what I could glean, it seems as if the, the grade is, was more underestimated in the intrusive than in the sedimentary.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. And also, and also we, you know, Right back from the beginning, our approach to this project was I need a credible project that I can build. If you look mm-hmm. at my background, I'm a builder operator for my entire career. I'm not an exploration geologist. I'm a metallurgist by profession. Yeah, We tend to build and run things. <laughs> yeah, um, Or as the geologist would say, yeah, and you put it all in there. Tailings down after after we spend all that time finding it, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, so so, and again, as part of my background, I was I was a I used to run an engineering company, and so it was always about how can we make an economic project? How can we make an economic mm. project? And and in the, in the case of Metatis, we believe that the the wide space drilling and the way they're building block models. And and also what they were targeting, they were targeting this massive, large resource development opportunity that I think they really knew. They would never build it. Somebody else would buy it and build it. Mm. So they wanted the biggest ounces. And you know as well as I do, when you start doing that, things tend to get pushed around a bit. And so high grade goes down, low grade comes up.
1: (laughs) boundaries aren't quite solid. You're you're essentially engineering with other people's money, in a sense. You're engineering other people's kind of execution. Whereas if you're engineering your, if you're calculating your own, um, your own blocks that you're going to have to be mining, you you treat them slightly differently. To if you think, oh well, someone else is going to mine this. Yeah, <laughs> that's a polite way of putting it.
0: Yeah, you, you know, and that and that's that's a that's a very good comment. I mean, we I've built enough of these and watched enough of them go wrong to learn that. You know, a better conservatism never hurts. Starting small and then expanding is probably a better approach to things because, again, you know, you're risking your own money. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an 11% shareholder for loud. Mm-hmm. Um I've got a big vested interest, but if we get to the point we build this, it's going to be right, Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know, we believed there was this high-grade core. The drilling wasn't done to prove that. The drilling was done to get met samples, but it showed that. And and you know, we're in the process now. I've got all the drilling results to actually sit down with a geologist that I've known for a long time and trust, um, and go through slowly but carefully and carefully to make sure hard boundary, soft boundary, unidirectional, bidirectional. You know, what are the controls? What are the limits between the breccia and the seds and the massive intrusive? And, and, and actually build it so that you can sit there and say, does it, does it all hang together, both X, Y, and Z as you turn the solids around? Or are they gaping gaps or weird shapes? You know, donuts. And you go, yeah, right, donuts exist in geology. Yeah, they um, do on a mega scale.
1: They usually called porphyries. Yeah, but um, are you are you going to um, are you resampling the historic drilling to get a? I haven't
0: got to that point yet. Um, that's an interesting question. We may, we may. I you know, the new drilling or the newer drilling, the last sixteen holes, and you'd have seen it on the um, on the press release, gave us that same twenty percent increase yeah there were five holes in between that were only 10 or 11 percent you know where's it all going to average out look we've got to do the work right and and that goes back to your comment about um if you're going to build it you treat it differently yeah
1: yeah we've got to do Um, the work do you have that uh um cross-section handy yeah there you go So okay don't ask me a bunch of complicated geological questions because I ain't a geo. That's fine, and you've and you've got COVID, so um, <laughs> both both of those reasons. Um, so th- that PEA pit, yeah, um, <clears throat> that's based on fifteen thousand ton per day, mm-hmm. um, a- and um, two is that is that the two hundred and five million ton pit that you're talking about there that sounds about right yeah uh, that's that's so yeah that, that i think that was the one that um from the from the that's the the mined tons the, the, those are the tons that get mined in the in the pea so that's about it's that's about five million ounces of kind of give yeah or take, yeah give or take that's about right uh, and that's that's treating the seds as waste oh is it yeah Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Un- I didn't get that. I didn't understand so that. So okay, the SEDs, so this-
0: the, seds, the, seds in the in the pit calculation, the intrusive, the intrusive breccia, are run as ore, and the SEDs are treated as waste, but stockpiled separately. And and waste is waste. Yeah, low grade below cut off is is waste, um, and that gives. If I remember remember numbers again. I think it was two to one roughly strip ratio, which that okay. slide shows it pretty clearly. That's about a two to one strip. If you take all the light blue as waste, um, yeah. stop pilot, yeah, um, okay. and part and again, it all comes back to the same thing. What is our focus? Um, you know, fifteen thousand tons a day and five million ounces gave me a thirty-one year mine life. And, and most people will sit there and go, Alan, expand it. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on, guys. There's a reason it's 15,000 tons a day. And the reason it's 15,000 tons a day is 15, 17, somewhere around there. It's about as big as you can go with a single-line jaw crusher. As soon as you go up to 20, you jump to a baby gyratory. The problem is on a dollar-per-ton basis, capital installed that gyratory is almost three times the cost to install as a jaw crusher of the same size.
1: Yeah. So if you're going to go to a gyratory, go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we drop this slide, can I just yeah. ask, so the, 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 the highlighted drill hole with that intersection of 432 metres of 1.15 grams. That's, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> that is nice. And effectively... Um, I did, when I looked up the 205 million tonnes as your kind of resource that gets mined in the PEA, it said that yep. there was 0. 0.8, um, 0.75 grams per tonne gold and 14.6 grams per tonne silver. I kind of rounded that up to 0. 0.8 grams gold equivalent. But if you've got an extra...
0: Yeah,
1: twenty a bit higher than that, yeah. But yeah. Just, 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 I mean, just, I mean, if you've got an extra 20%, you're looking at one gram gold. No, um,
0: I think you'll find the the original...
1: Intrusive, and I think it's. I have to go. I mean, I, I think so, the point. The point is that the it, if you've got a let's say a, <clears throat> if you can get between a ten and a twenty percent upgrade of your resource in the intrusive, mm. that really really matters. It, it, oh yeah, no, it's huge.
0: No, it's huge because it's free money straight to the bottom line. The pit won't yeah. change. The strip ratio won't change, but your value of dollar per tonne rock. Has just gone. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the other slide. I, I believe that the high grade core initially looked like it was about a gram per ton equivalent. Right. Yeah, it was about 75.75 grams ton gold and 18, 19, no, no 16 silver. Um, and that that gives you about one. You add 10 to 20%, you add in 0.1 to 0.2. Well, gold's 50 bucks a gram, yeah, roughly. Yeah. A bit higher than that now. Um, maybe close to 60 than it was yesterday and also yeah. sure today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and right? it's scary days. But we,
0: we whatever make the math easy. Call it 50. Yeah, call it 50. We get a 10% increase, that's five bucks a ton. Yeah. It goes to 55. 20% it goes to 60. That five to ten dollars all goes to the bottom line. Yeah. It all goes to the bottom line because whatever, whatever recovery number or whatever, that's all proportional. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're right. It makes a huge difference.
1: I did notice that you're in your presentation you 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 show the pre-tax number and the the yeah. <laughs> and an NPV five as well. And part of that is tax is a funny thing. And and it can distort so many
0: things depending on what are your losses, is there is there um, double depreciation, what what Things can you deduct early in the piece and all the rest of it. So if you can't if you can't get a pre tax number that's worth looking at, then you're in trouble. Um, and and the tax thing, the financial engineers seem to be able to do
1: wonderful things <laughs> at times. So that's why we use that. You were you were looking up a slide on the on the grade yeah. on the resource table. Yeah 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 yeah. Well, it's not on the resource table, but this one. This one here—that's what
0: we thought it originally was. So it's a the part of it is a timing thing as well. We originally thought in that blob there was 166 million tons, 0.76 and 15, 16 grams ton of ton silver, which is yep. almost smack on a gram. So that's 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 just what I wanted to clarify with you. Um, okay. And so then you take that 10 to 20 percent uplift on top of that. Yeah. And so you get to go from Fifty bucks, sixty bucks,
1: done up by five to ten dollars. Yeah, if funnily- I broke yeah. down that that number one six six, but I've also got two o five somewhere else. But anyway, that's that's all fine. Um, um, that is probably off of there somewhere. Never mind, never mind. Let's no, I mean, it's, anyway. It's, it, 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 it's it's still a big. It's number. A and it's and it's <laughs> a lot of rock, and it's still around. Yeah. Um. You know five billion ounces it, it's,
0: so, it's basically it's basically 31 years of a gram plus ton equivalent producing 120 130,000 ounces gold equivalent a year as a starter project that you then expand up from
1: and it's sulfide all yes. the way yeah yeah that is
0: yeah. a skin, <laughs> a, a skin yeah. of
1: oxide well you can see it in the pictures you know that brown stain guess yeah, yeah. what that's that's the oxide. Yeah, yeah. um and and talk me through the the, the metallurgy and then the mineralogy and you know is it easy you, you you and i mean there's there's so much going on in your presentation on the on the processing in terms of the the approach mm. to copper or the approach to um traditional gold silver ores uh alkali leach, acid leach. uh can we just start at the top end which is How does it present itself? Back to fundamentals.
0: Firstly, it is predominantly pyrite.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And the gold and silver is refractory. And refractory is a dirty word, but also Mm. it's very lazily used by everybody in the industry. And when I say that, I mean there's there's at least four types of refractory.
1: Yeah, was, yeah, I mean, tell me how yours refractory. You know, it, it's a it's a many it's, it's and varied a thing. It's a bucket. Yeah. It's a bucket. Right. So,
0: and so, so the problem the problem with that is people go, oh, that is refractory, and you go, cute. Which type? And they just get this glazed look. They get COVID fog. Um, and and so, you know, first you've got to understand what sort of refractor you've got. And the four the four types that you see commonly are. Sulfide refractory, so the gold and silver is in fractures around in the pyrite crystals. Silica locking, where the particle of gold and or sulfide is surrounded by silica and you can't get anything through. Carbonaceous materials that rob, which is a totally different type and different issue. And then things like tellurides. And then in the case of silver, you get all sorts of weird silver mineralization that sometimes it's in feldspar, sometimes it's these silver salts. Sil- the silver mineralogy is just a class to itself. So you okay. take those four and you go, silica locking, the only solution is grinded plug dust. It's it's a mechanical entrainment issue. Um carbonaceous shale and preg robbing, good luck.
1: Roast. You can roast, roast,
0: those. yeah, roast. Or the claves don't usually work if it if it's strong preg robbing. Sometimes if it's weakly preg robbing, they will.
1: Telluride really fired fired up, has it? Sorry, Sayama has never really fired more no. cylinders, has it?
0: Well, and, and you know the, the only couple of roasters in in Nevada, yeah, aren't, aren't the best either. So and then and then Telluride. The only solution I've ever seen is the same as the refractory carbon, stick it in a roaster and destroy the lattice. But they all, but whichever, you know, and then sulfides, the only solution to that is destroy the lattice. So they're a bit similar to the Telluride. Let's focus on sulfide refractory, which is what we believe, very strongly believe we have at Metatis. And, and previous test work around all the flavors shown that. We've got sulfide refractory. So there's two very fundamental, simple concepts that, um, as a geologist, you will understand very well. Firstly, sulfides don't want to be sulfides. You expose sulfides to air and water, and what do they do? They turn into this nice, muddy, brown, red stuff and wash down the river, usually. Yeah, And all the environmentalists get upset, and they usually call it Rio Tinto or Rio Amarillo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which means red river or yellow river, but sulfides don't want to be sulfides. It's an industry-wide problem, and I mean out across all sulfide deposits, it's usually called acid rock drainage, and we spend billions of dollars around the world every year trying to stop it. Yeah, because it's usually the waste dumps, and so, so that's that's the first concept behind what we're trying to do. Sulfides don't want to be sulfides, and I think we can agree that. That's that's true. The second one is that size is inversely proportional to time. So the time it takes
1: to oxidize is inversely proportional to size. Right? You're effectively trying to increase the surface area so that the air and the water can access the grain over a larger surface area as possible. So if you've got right. a a big a big sphere, there's the smallest amount of surface area, but if you've got a um, mm-hmm. uh, multiple yep. faces and small grains, you've got more, more surface area there for the reaction to quicker. You, and if you look at the two extremes, oxide ore bodies are
0: all on, always on the top of sulfides. Like you're the geologist, tell me if you found one that's the other way around. Yeah. But, um, you know, and that's generally because they oxidize from the top down. <laughs> yeah. Because water flows from the top down. But, um, but no, you can, you can wait. And the oil body will eventually turn into an oxide or it'll get washed down the river. And then you go look look for an exotic. But um, that takes millions and millions and millions of years. At the other end of the spectrum is what we do at the moment, which is we crush, grind, float, and then put it into some sort of lattice-destroying process, smelter, roaster, autoclave. And they do it. Um, yeah, bugs. Bugs have been used at times, and, and it will work if the grade's high enough. Um, you know, I, I actually worked on two Biox plants when I was in Cignet. Uh One was Biox Biots. The other one was um, Biotech. I think it was Biotech. But two slightly different versions of the same process, basically um, Thio and Ferobacilla oxidizing the sulfides Bumping the arsenic up from three to five so that it didn't kill them, and then precipitating the ferrous ferric arsenate now as scorodite, which was a disposable arsenic product. So that 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 works. Um, hasn't really taken off, and it hasn't really taken off, I think, principally because some of it is, well, we've already got the autoclaves. Some of it is you need quite a reasonable grade for that. Yeah, you do. Complex process to actually stand up. Yeah, um, and so so you know it takes takes it hasn't it hasn't been the boom that everybody thought it would be in the nineties.
1: When I was speaking to the when I spoke to the um, the Ashanti guys at Boise, they said um, it just kind of lops four grams off the. I mean this was back when the, when the gold price was much lower. You know um, this yeah. is early early noughties when the gold price was three four hundred bucks. They said yeah we lose three four grams just to the in, in the cost of running the biox. Yeah and it's the
0: oxygen, it's the, it's the um, heat transfer, it's the neutralization costs you know and at the end of the day the neutralization costs, whichever way you look at it is what drives the operating cost, whether it's an autoclave or even a smelter or a roaster, you still got to capture the damn acid and get rid of it. So you can go fine or you can wait millions of years. There's an obvious point in the middle that nobody really spent a lot of time working on, which is a reasonably fine crushed heap. And so you sit there and go, well, the next obvious place on that size time relationship is half an inch, somewhere around there. And if you look over the fence, which a lot of the industry doesn't do, um, the copper industry has been doing this
1: for 30 years. Oh, I was just about to say because I've, I've worked on a Chilean copper heat bleach where they they um, put it through a primary crusher and they it's actually a, a salt process. It's a, they yep. add in um, salt in the, they, they spray on um, sodium chloride uh, <laughs> in solution with a bit of acid and it really aggressively um, yep um, corrodes the grains and uh, post agglomeration they can whack it on the thing and the recoveries are just. Extraordinarily much better. Which one was that? I was... Um, uh, Tres Valles. No, oh, was, um, Tres Valles. Okay,
0: that's the new yeah. one.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, <laughs> all right, another piece of the story <laughs> into why I believe this will work. In 2000... And, no, in 1991, I met Estavan Domich, and I don't know if you've come across him. He is one of the more renowned metallurgists in Chile. And back in the early 90s, they were all working together at Puduweo, which is just outside of Santiago. In fact, when you drive from the airport to Vina, you literally drive past it on the right-hand side just before you go into the tunnel, if you know, if you know that road well enough. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I, I saw that, and when I first went to Chile, they were all excited that they were getting uh, sulfide copper to leech and heat leech. And Mm -hmm. we go, wow, okay. So because I'd just come out of the engineering company and was looking at gold and bug leeches and all that sort of stuff. So I was really interested in, this sounds really cool. What are they doing? Um, So, you know, and I've watched it over the years. And then surprise, surprise, in 2002, I ended up as the project director for Spence. Spence at the time was the biggest sulfide heap leach in the world. Yeah. When we first built it, yeah, we were doing 50, 60,000 tons a day, 200,000 tons a year of copper, sulfide oxidizing heap leach and recovering the copper and SXEW. We had an oxide heap and a sulfide heap. Interestingly enough, your comment about the chloride, the chlorine leach, um, I saw all of that test work in 2002 on the Spence Orb. At that time, we were not confident enough to risk a billion-dollar project on a novel process, okay? So so it was a risk-reward thing. We knew the biox would work. We knew knew that we had all of the test work and all of the metallurgical stuff and all of the things to get through BHP's torturous process because I helped write some of the process and I'd been through it before. <clears throat> and so, so we, didn't, we didn't take that leap of faith. However, that work didn't stop. And Cerro Colorado switched to salt now. Spencer switched to salt. Valles. Machia was actually the very first one. Machia was running salt back in the early 2000s if not in the late 90s. And if you actually go back to the fundamentals and draw up your EHPH diagram for a copper, hydrogen, chlorine, iron, uh, sulfate system, sulfur system, there's this funny little corner at about pH 1.5 where a cupric-cuprous chloride couple exists, and that's what's oxidizing the sulfides. So the same as the ferrous-ferric couple that's catalyzed by the bacteria to switch backwards and forwards and bump ferrous back up to ferric, yeah, Yeah. after it's oxidized, oxidized more iron, um, there's a cuprous-cupric couple, chloride-based, that exists around that same pH range. Now, the interesting thing about that one is you're now in a chemical control, not a biological control. Chemical controls have a couple of advantages. One, they're faster. And two, they control the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't suddenly decide to go to sleep or die on you. Yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. not happy. You're driving the bus. You're driving the bus. So take all of that, all of that mishmash and all of that, that, that. Um, fundamental concept understanding. Bring it over to the gold industry. In the copper industry, we don't just oxidize the copper minerals. It's not that selective. It would be beautiful if it was, but it isn't. It oxidizes the pyrite too. It does a damn good job of it. There's all this iron everywhere, right? I mean, that's the source of your ferrous to go to ferric. Yep. There's all this iron that's oxidizing and the bugs are oxidizing it quite merrily or the chloride system is also oxidizing the iron. So you, you, you've got, you know, that your underlying fundamental comments that I made earlier, size is inversely proportional to time. Sulfides don't want to be sulfides are, are correct. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, Go look at the copper industry there are at least two different chemistry sets that operate yes it's acidic but that's a chemistry issue that's not a physics issue right so um, you split it into the two pieces
1: is is elderly the, the the fact that you bought elderly is that a key part of the puzzle or or did you when you uh, came into the <clears throat> company did you bring your knowledge from i the- was elderly oh okay okay Older- right. elderly, elderly was. I was the majority shell. Okay. So, so Alderley is your experience in the, the copper industry um, and, and, that, and, 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 the license to a, a different chemistry
0: set, we believe works in the gold industry.
1: Okay. So, but, so, just... so, so,
0: so next step forward, will sulfides oxidize at yes. half inch? Yes. Does it take a long time? Yes. <laughs> Right. You've seen the copper ones. I mean, I don't know what Chesvay's leech time is, but I know what Spence's was, and it was quite a long time. But it was still more economic than building a concentrator and a smelter and all the rest of it. Right. So it all comes down to economics. It's the time value of money. So we all know that all works. So now it's can I find a chemistry set that allows me to work in the gold industry? So what are the constraints on the gold side I need to comply with? so they don't get in the mess. So go backwards again and look at who tried and why did it fail when they tried to use biox not in a tank, but in a heap bleach. And people did try. Yeah. So again, back in the 90s, a couple of companies and one very large gold company tried and tried and tried and they couldn't get it to work. And the problem with it is when you go down to pH two, you dissolve all sorts of stuff. But the even more fun thing is when you've done that and you've oxidized all your sulfides and you've got all this iron stew, and you have to come back to pH 10 and a half to get you, be able to put cyanide in to get your gold and silver you create the biggest uncontrolled precipitation event you have ever seen. And one of the problems that you also create that they've seen in the autoclave circuits, because somebody can sit there and say, but they do that in the autoclave circuits. What's your problem? In the autoclave circuits, yes, they do that in the autoclave circuits. However, they have always struggled with jarosite and it absorbing in particular the silver. It locks up the silver because jarosite is one of these amorphous iron hydroxy iron plus any other damn metal that will precipitate and including silver. So you often see that, you know, PV claims they've got a lime boil that works. Rumors in the industry suggest that it may be not quite working as well as they thought it would. Um, So you still have that issue about as you go from pH 2 to 10, you precipitate everything under the sun. So one constraint. Don't move the pH, hence alkali, right? So can I find a chemistry set that will allow sulfides to oxidize in the presence of air and water at pH 9.5, 10, 11, somewhere around there. So as I don't, if I move it, I don't move it a lot, so I don't get this massive precipitation event. So avoid the precipitation event, right? that's what we've got. So the physical piece is a walk in the park. Crush it to half an inch. Will it oxidize in a a heap environment? Yes. Yes. Does it take time? Yes. Chemistry. Have you got a chemistry that allows the sulfides to oxidize in an alkaline environment that doesn't produce
1: a massive precipitation event? Absorbs all the silver and potentially locks up the gold. Okay, so, where are you in that process, and how much did you do for the PEA, and how much have you got left to get your test work done for the? So, in, in the PEA, and, I, and and I think we
0: were pretty clear in that we had very little metallurgical test work. Okay, right. We had some preliminary tests that we did um, before we did the elderly deal. And the reason was because refract not all refractories are the same. Yeah, you so wanted to we, test them. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't silica locked or something else equally as nasty. And, and that was positive. And so then once, we, once we'd done that, we did the deal. Once we did the deal afterwards, I found out that they had some old samples from the original test work. So they were quite a long time old and I didn't know how they were stored. And I didn't know exactly where they came from, hence the new core. But what we did do was we put up these, this column. uh, Where's the share screen again? So this one, you're the geologist. Tell me the stuff on the right hasn't oxidized.
1: Um, I can't. Mm, there
0: you go so that that is the same column taken over whatever that is six months or something it kept going Um, you'll never see the results from these columns simply because I don't know the precedent of the sample and so until I get my results from the test work I'm doing at the moment I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not putting anything else into the market until I've got a coherent set. And I know exactly what I'm looking
1: for. Um, th- thank you. Could you drop that now? Uh,
0: yeah, sure. Let's go, uh, I think that's uh, a cute is, slide. I, I really it, like it. As a middle-aged, yeah, no, I, I, I get really excited about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, it's
1: not a core photo. With no, 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 no no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a broad church geologist. Um, <laughs> um, that was a three month May, June, July, August. That so was a four month. Um, yeah, that was column. about four. It kept going after that. Have you started your new columns? And yes. How yes. long are you going to let them run for?
0: Okay, so, so the 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 met test program that we're carrying out at the moment. It's focused on intrusive and intrusive breccia separately, and it's focused on producing the data to support the assumptions that are in the PEA. So that's half-inch crush, 70 percent gold recovery, 70-something silver recovery, and within 180-day oxidation time. And so the, the process is crush it, agglomerate it with the alkali, stick it on a heap, air injection underneath, oxidize it for up to 180 days, rinse, pick it up, put it onto the permanent heap, lime cyanide. Right. The lime cyanide, um, we're running the columns in that part of the cycle for another 90 days. So one column from go to woe is effectively nine, nine and a half months. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Right. Which is bloody slow. And the yeah. investors
1: don't have what you call patience. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> as and i'm finding out yes 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 well we um we, we've we've had a good discussion about metallurgy but there's another aspect that i want to talk to you about so so effectively nine and a half month um gestation period on that met test work and you started started october november okay but by the time you get the are you going to put some of the most recent bunch food so it'll be rolling with it it'll be rolling results coming yeah out. yeah because not so
0: so in that bunch so that's 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 the overall that's the longest what i what i actually want to generate at the moment is a time oxidation gold silver recovery relationship curves yeah so how fast does it oxidize to what oxidation level do i get and with that oxidation level what gold and silver recoveries do i get so what i've actually got running at the moment i've got 16, 18, 16 or 18, I'd have to go count them again, columns in a lab here in Vancouver, which I wander off every couple of weeks and just go and check the paint's drying. Um, and and um, we, we're running a what, what I call a zero. So zero pre-oxidation, just put it in the column like a dummy run it for a typical gold cyanide 90 days, right? That gives me, do I get anything? Yes. How much is anything?
1: Your baseline relative to the pre-oxidation.
0: Yeah, my baseline. So yeah. what improvements am I seeing over that? And then with that, on the, of the same composite sample, so we made a composite of intrusive and then composite of intrusive rectum. Run a zero on each one, just standard lime cyanide, yeah. Then, sixty days, one twenty days, one eighty days. Yeah, yeah. I've got a duplicate in each set, so as people can't say, "Well, you haven't proved that it's reproducible," even though I've actually got four duplicates and they're running identical columns, and identical speeds, and identical flow rates, but you you got to you got to be able to tick the damn boxes no yeah. look, I, look 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 i'm coming from a different place to a lot of the juniors i've been through independent peer reviews of some of the best in the world and you know you know full well what they're going to ask you before they get there right so you may as, you may as well just do it at the beginning and get it right and also i'm going to need to raise money if i'm going to build it so i know full well they're going to get some Metallurgist who consults to the banks. And what are the first things he's going to ask? Reproducibility, variability. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oil types, debts, all those sorts of things. So you may as well make sure it's in the test work program and just keep working through it. Yeah. Um, So the, the first set of columns are really focused on time, oxidation, gold, silver recovery. And they're running at the moment. Yeah. As, my, as my zero days came off, I put two more columns on. When my 60 days came off, I put two more columns on and so on and so on and so on and so on. So, yes, they're back yeah. to back, and I just keep rolling through them. But until I get that last set of 180 days plus the 90 days, and I've got a set of curves that show 0, 60, 120, 180, gold, silver recoveries, you know, and you can actually put it in a 3D surface, and, and with some of the preliminary results that I've got, I did that, showed it to the marketing guy, He took one look at it, and said, I don't understand this. Okay, I won't do that then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get too cute. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah. um, it's the engineer but, coming out. Well, um, I look forward to seeing those um, when you're ready to start talking about the results as they come through. I think that'll be, that'll be a, a, a key factor. I, um, I'd yeah. also be looking forward to seeing the new resource and I expect um, uh, you will have to go back and resample some of your core. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just, that'll be down to the QP and your resource geologist. But um, instinct says that you're probably going to want to um, run some of that again. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the key thing, the kind of the thing in the market at the moment, the, 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 the big, uh, the elephant in the room is rising costs.
0: Yes and no. Been there, done that one before too. Um, 2002 through 2004 mm-hmm. was when I built Spence. When we started, we approved the project on 90 cent copper. When we started up, it was $4. You know, the trick, the trick with rising costs is please 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 make sure that the last study you do and the last estimate you do is not an updated estimate go back to square one requote everything ground up rebuild it and then approve it and get building and buy everything as fast as you can as soon as you get approved right and that way, you lock everything in to the quotes that you got, and you don't get this escalation creep.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: which which you know, when you get into a higher inflation environment, and some of us have worked in wonderful places like Argentina, where it's forty percent
1: random. Um, you you learn a few tricks about how how to how to not get burnt. Yeah, but there's a difference between. Um... A, an inflationary environment where the metal price is rising as well, as happened from 2002 to 2007, you know the margins effectively stayed the same because the metal prices were rising as, yeah. as much as, as, as your, your underlying costs were. We, we put this kind of rather uh, unhealthy a environment but just at the moment. No, no, you're, seeing, are coming, coming you're, down no you're seeing coming down.''re
0: you seeing so the, the curves, the curves lead and trail each other. Right? So you don't see, you're seeing inflation in equipment and stuff driven by, you know, copper's $4.50, iron ore, coking coal is 500 or $600 a tonne. Yeah. It's ludicrous, right? So that transfers into steel prices. Yeah. Yeah. So steel, when, at the end of the day, a project is three things, four things. Labour, steel,
1: copper, and concrete. That's it. When you take it like, down to its fundamental, you, you can add in diesel. Yeah, energy. Energy. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And they're, they're all way
0: up. If you're looking at it from a gold perspective, you're going, oh, but we, we're getting squeezed. Well. Hang on a minute. Two years ago. Yeah. When was it? When, when did I sell Guyana? Yeah. Two years ago. Um, gold was fumbling around. We, we got to 1500 and we were happy. Yeah.
1: It was 1350 for a long time, 1350 to 1400.
0: Exactly. So it's gone from 1350 to it touched 2000. It's back 18, 18,
1: 1850, 1850,
0: 1860. 60 or yeah. Right. They got to stop their whining. You've seen the commodity price increase. You're now seeing two-year lag, three-year lag it coming yeah. through in the, in the equipment prices. You're also in a situation where COVID pushed all of the low-level labor into unemployment, and they found other things to do so that they could survive. And they ain't going back to serving tables, right? And so that's pushing labor costs up. So it's all coming up together, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's really where it comes, It's That's where it comes back to before you build, make damn sure that the last estimate you did was not a factored update because that's what they always do. And if you look at all of the projects that got caught with their pants down, in two thousand and four through two thousand and eight, before the eight oh eight crash, every one of them was an old estimate that was updated.
1: i uh, you know I look at the um, the Chesapeake share price and it's it, it's a very similar path to other companies, which is kind of a yeah. peak in peak in June July two thousand and twenty, and then two years or eighteen months of yeah. I'm we're just down. following the metal price. Um, it's yeah. You pull up the GDX, Jay, and we're not far off it. So, depending on your timeframes. Yeah. So, um, do you have destiny of your, of your do you have um, control of your, um, your own destiny? or are you just following the GDX? You know, what's going to be the catalyst that drives you to, to assist that, that bucking of the trend of the, of the GDX? The, M- the Met test work. It's that simple. Yeah.
0: It's that simple until, until, until you can put some results into the market around the met test work. And even then, even then, there'll be people sitting there saying, oh, oh I don't know. What about, what about those in-situ copper guys? That's not working. Or what about, but you could say the same about heat bleaching oxides. Believe me, in the late 80s, I built my first heat bleach. Uh, uh, you name it we got it wrong <laughs> I blocked my carbon columns I blocked up all my drippers I blinded off the top of the heap I had part of the heap slump on me oh it was a beautiful mess <laughs> yeah but number two was an improvement and number three was a gangbuster
1: <laughs> so, I someone, so, so, someone else wait, um, Someone else has paid the school fees um, yeah um, now I know you're a metallurgist, and I'm a geologist, mm. but I would also say that the uh, an upgraded resource would potentially be a, um, yeah. a value catalyst as well. Potentially,
0: you know, and 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 you do see a bit of a bump each time we put out a news release. It will go blip, and then blip, <laughs> Sometimes it won't even move, um, but um, you know, the, the 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 underlying key is can you. Oxidized pyrite in an alkaline environment at a heat bleach size. That's it in a nutshell. And if the answer is yes, don't just think about the There is a mountain of deposits out there that have got some, non oxides
1: left on top of quite significant sulfide bodies. Oh, I think at that juncture... We should leave it, leave it on a lovely cliffhanger, lots of um, upside. (laughs) So, um, Alan, um, thank you very much. It's been a a rollicking and very entertaining um, 45 (laughs) minutes uh, or maybe an hour. Um, I look forward to hearing from you as the results come through during the course of 2022.
0: Thank you.